Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. Hey, listeners. Today's show features one of our fall contest winners. But before we begin, Melissa and I would like to thank Katie McDougal and A.M. Ringwald, our prose and poetry judges, for their work in selecting the top entries. We also want to thank each writer and poet who submitted your work for consideration. We received many amazing stories and poems and appreciate the opportunity to read your work. We wish all of you continued success in your writing endeavors. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Today's feature and our second place winner is a sampler of poetry written and narrated by Smeep. But before we hear these works, let's find out what poetry judge A.M. Ringwalt enjoyed most about Smeep's winning poem. I was struck by the author's playful command of sound and syntax in funereal dis-ease. Grief and the grotesque are repeatedly alluded to as the speaker almost sings through an uncanny and not quite dissectable situation. Now, settle in and enjoy. Funereal Dis-Ease Oppressive perfume of flowers, sweet like mentholated spirits, cloaks the stress-dried sweat of the gathering, and the embalmed body, which otherwise would smell like the pregnant frog dissected in biology class, an experiment attempted with outdated instructions, designed for a pithed but living subject who might respond to stimuli, not this croaker who, when poked with a stick, does not twitch as expected, but rests in inert monotony. Unable to reform into something zoetic, much like the dearly departed, who used to say peckish when she meant hungry. Quantum Navigation A glacier melts, forms a fractal, an unfolding symmetry of gullies and streams, brooks and creeks, branches short and long. Some trickle to dust. Others bloom into flumes and falls, rivers, lakes, and oceans. Water, inseparable, breaks separate trails. Since birth, I have been cradled in an infinitesimal craft 
following one current in an infinite sea of probabilities. Since birth, you have been cradled in your little canoe, sharing my stream for a time, but ultimately following another. My stream meanders on. Yours tangled you in muskeg, where weeds pulled you under and you drowned. In other currents, you endure. In other currents, I succumb. Your little joke. Four white guys are trying to kill me. Neomuniao. Get it? Only it's not pneumonia, and it's not fair. In this current, I'm a freighter, steaming through a seaway, cargo hold loaded with a multitude of deaths. You're a balsa boat, foundering in an oxbow. On some waterway somewhere, though, you're a mighty tugboat, belly full of lives, chugging merrily along. Silk Screen This hole in my soul is tiny, a pinprick, shaped like a mother, so small, so far away. This hole in my soul is tiny, shaped like an old dog, so small, so far away. This hole in my soul is tiny, shaped like a good friend, so small, so far away. A thousand tiny pinpricks, pain and stain, seep through, revealing the beauty, the sorrow of life and loss, of time and empty rooms. Fisher's net or fishnet stockings, through these holes, the silk of my soul, the web and the weave, the whole of my soul grows holy. The doctor at home tends a wound. He washes his hands, bent over the kitchen sink, scrubbing up to the elbows, stained tie dangling over the remains of supper. He does not hurry for cries and screams. Dirty hands cause infection. To stop the bleeding, he applies pressure, using what's handy, clean cloth or dirty dish rag. To stop the squirming, he uses a steady voice and a firm grip. To clean the wound, he grabs a brush. A thorough soapy scrubbing is best. Iodine, mercurochrome, peroxide, unused, cloak themselves in greasy dust. Dirty wounds cause infection. A hand over the mouth muffles the scream. 
but will never smother the scream of the brother dead from a scratch and gangrene at a mother who would not have a one-legged boy. He dresses the wound in clouds of fluffy white gauze, swaddled injury put to bed like a clean, dry baby. He addresses the wounded with a little dark derision. Stop crying. Say thank you to the doctor. You just listened to A Sampler of Poetry by Smeep. And we have Smeep on the show today to talk about these pieces and writing life in general. Welcome to the show, Smeep. Hi. <laughs> it's great to have you on. And as always, I am here with co-host Melissa. Hello. Good to have everyone on the show today. I'm excited. Oh, I know. And uh, first, I want to mention and congratulate you on winning second place in our fall edition contest. Yes, we were very excited about that. I'm um, very excited. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. That's terrific. a big deal. I yeah. know. I know. Thank you for entering your work and giving us the opportunity to read it and to share it with the world. So with that, one of the first questions we ask is for you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you came to writing. Okay. I live in Saskatchewan, which is the rectangular province right above Montana. And uh, I have always loved writing in words and would have, you know, loved to do it for a living, I think. But um, I found with words, being a lawyer paid a lot more. So mm -hmm. I ended up doing that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> As with uh, many art forms. Yeah. Uh, so I did that for many years, but I joined a writer's group that have become kind of my uh, my support, and we all share each other's work, and I've been a member of that group for a long time. And so I have been kind of writing off and on all these years, but uh, since the pandemic, I found I had more time on my hands, and I really developed a love of poetry that I never had before. So that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. Wow, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. I think we've heard from a few writers about that being the case. Yes. You know, with the pandemic, just being at home and and writing as a creative outlet, be it short stories or poetry or yes. whatever. Yeah. I think a lot of people who weren't didn't even have that in their past kind of jumped into that mm -hmm. as a way of expression, as a way of an outlet. Release. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I agree 100%. Well, great. All right. So these poems seem to focus on grief. Um, you want to walk through those with us a little bit and talk about whatever you want to tell us related to them. I hate, I hate to kind of ask for the meaning behind them, although I'm always very curious, and sometimes they don't necessarily have a meaning. But anything you want to speak to on these individual pieces? Um, well, actually, I, I had a lot of loss over the last few years, and the first poem I wrote kind of got me back into poetry was Silkscreen. And that was about losing my mother and my good friend and, and my dog. Um, mm. And I wrote that poem just straight from the heart. And then I thought I should start to learn more about poetry. So I started reading <laughs> books on that. Um, so that was what started it. Quantum Navigation is a poem about a good friend of mine who died of lung cancer after surviving all kinds of things. She was in a plane crash with me uh, oh, that we oh all goodness. survived. And then, uh, yeah, then 
that that happened to her. Um, the doctor at home tends a wound is about my father and his brother who died when he was a child, died of mm. gangrene, actually, because oh. uh, it was in the days before antibiotics. And I think that's what spurred him to become a doctor. Mm. Yeah. And I forget what the other poem is now. <laughs> I, uh, I think that one is funeral disease, isn't it? Oh, we haven't yeah, the winner, the winning poem. How could I forget? <laughs> the most lucrative poem I've ever right. written. <laughs> Excellent. I love that. That actually came out of a writer's uh, exercise, but it's about it's about my mother's funeral. But um, okay. it came out of a writing exercise, which was basically five random words that we were to put together in some form. And... Uh, that's that's what I got out of it, but it's about how complicated a funeral can be, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very very true. Yeah, I just think it has. Um, I mean, you know, I haven't been to a ton of funerals, but obviously, I think most people have been to at least one or two, and I was right there. You know, I don't know which words put me there, which scene. Yeah. You know, but I was just with you in this, and I thought that was. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yes. That poem, too, is about going back to my hometown to go to my mother's funeral, which, of mm. course, brings back all these memories from high school and growing up there. And, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. And if funerals are complicated, a mother's funeral is the most complicated. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, that That's deep. I'm curious. So you said this came from five words. Uh, yes. This was an exercise. Yes. Do you remember which five I words i was gonna ask that question <laughs> yeah i just, just want to know remember. um i know gathering is one of them okay uh, i knew you were gonna ask me that too and i looked at the poem <laughs> just a little while ago and i could pick them out but i can't remember them now I, right, you're on the spot that's the way it goes well that's okay but yeah. some of the imagery in here you know I, like like a pregnant frog dissected in biology class i mean those are things that i rem that is such a a sense memory for me mm -hmm. oh yeah uh, and then i went to i was in pa school and we had to do um i thought about this the other day d dissect cadavers and i will occasionally this is very strange but i'll occasionally just be going throughout life and i'll get a whiff of what it was like to be in cadaver lab mm. and so and it when i read that it made me think of that it made me think of being in cadaver lab and dissecting so it yeah. just, it brought up a lot. So the, just the imagery and the smells in this poem brought back a lot for me, too. Biology was one of the words I just remembered. <laughs> oh, biology. Very good. Yeah. But that sense of smell, I find in right, when I'm reading or writing, um, if you can connect with that sense of smell, it's the deepest emotional yeah. connection that you yes. feel. It's, it almost bypasses your higher thinking functions yeah. you know yeah totally yeah. i can definitely see that definitely well let me ask a question about quantum navigation because there's, there's a phrase in here that i didn't get oh and i was wondering if this is some native uh language the niwo moniao yeah neo moniao it's cree um my friend does uh, a cree woman and she spoke Cree, and she tried to teach me Cree, um, oh. and and she was full of humor, and that she was always making little puns and little jokes. Mm -hmm. So she thought she had pneumonia, 
And Neil Mooneyow in Cree means four white guys, basically. So she said, <laughs> oh. four white guys are trying to kill me. Oh, <laughs> I love knowing that. I know. That's terrific. I uh, see. Yeah. That's a little sneak peek or not sneak peek, but a little insight into this poetry that we wouldn't know if, if you weren't here telling us about it. That is so neat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Very and cool. I love silkscreen. I love how you, I know you said that was the first one that you wrote. Yeah. I could really feel emotion behind that. And and that sense of grief, that sense of loss, like pinpricks in you. And I think yeah. that's so poignant. Yeah, it was a way for me to work through some grief too, to find the beauty in it. Yeah. You know, which is not always easy. I was gonna ask that. And when in writing these poems, were you able to release some of the grief and, and some of the trauma that you went through? Yes, absolutely. It was, yeah, a way for me to work through it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. Yeah, I agree. That one really, um, I enjoyed that one. The emotion comes through immediately. You do a, a bit of re repetition in that poem, mm -hmm. which also somehow, I don't know, how, I interpreted that on some level other than through the writing. And I just thought that was very well done. I'm not being very expressive at the moment. So it made sorry, the pinpricks but... <laughs> in your soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, yeah, the silkscreen uh, metaphor and everything is very good. It is, yes. Oh, thanks. And then the doctor at home tends a wound. I really enjoyed this poem, though I didn't fully oh. understand what it, the meaning was behind it. It bothered me. Did it? So <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know if the doctor was like a a good protagonist in the story or not. You know, because he kind of has this attitude. And he's thinking about things that aren't all that great. And at the end, he's a little bit stern. Yeah. So tell us, tell us a little bit about that one some more. Well, it's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can, yes, you can yeah. tell. Yeah. Um, it's influenced by my, it's not a, that it, is really a true story, but it's influenced by my father who was a doctor. And when he was young, his brother died of gangrene he got a scratch on his knee basically and it got infected and at the oh time they didn't goodness. have antibiotics and the family story is that my grandmother they wanted to cut off his leg and my grandmother wouldn't let them oh. and so he died oh my goodness i don't know if that's true or not but that's the family story and so when i was young uh, all of us i have five siblings um my father took scratches and wounds very very seriously and so it's complicated in that he was cruel you know he would cause pain but he was doing it to save you you know mm -hmm. yeah so, our our presents are shaped by our pasts yeah exactly they really are they they really do influence it but i tell you the the that third stanza I, to clean the wound he grabs a brush just makes me horrified yeah <laughs> i can well, just like oh <laughs> that is a bit of an exaggeration but <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah but no I, I like how you've when you have writing that makes you feel things you know yeah. i like that so i it made me feel things yeah nice work oh, definitely all right well now so let's get on to some of this fun stuff and yes i don't know this is, falls into the fun category but in the background information that you sent us about yourself you mentioned being in a plane crash. And so that's not something that a lot of people get to talk about. So can you tell right. us a bit about that? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, this was, um, so as a lawyer and as a judge, I worked in Northern Saskatchewan 
and we flew little planes to kind of remote places to sure. hold court. Mm-hmm. And uh, one February, we were taking off on uh, on skis on the snow, and we kind of one wing went up and the other one didn't, and uh, we well we ended up on takeoff, kind of crashing into the bush. Uh. And then the plane was on fire and we had to oh get out of goodness. the plane. It was all, you know, it, it's not an orderly process because the yeah, plane was right. all yeah. tilted and, and yeah, uh, we couldn't get the door open. And uh, it was, a it, yeah, it was strange. At the time, it was like probably an adrenaline dump. We all like yeah. laughed hysterically. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. And we had wow. to, we had to tr- tromp through the deep snow just to get back to kind of anywhere near where the vehicles were trying to get to us, you know, try to um, yeah. shovel the snow away and stuff. But uh, yeah. So that my friend Doreen, who quantum navigation is about, was yeah. on that plane with mm. me and survived that too. Wow. Yeah. Did you write any stories about that crash? Uh, I Not for a long time. I wrote a kind of a, I'm not sure if it was a story or a poem, um, but it. I, it's not done. <laughs> and, okay, so yeah. still in the making. Yeah. Now, is that? Did you say? Did you not write about it because you had like tra- some trauma and you just couldn't deal with it, or what do you? I'm what not, do you think? I actually don't know. why I didn't write about it because when I did start to, I did write a piece, but it's not really ready for sharing. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was. I'm still working through that. I guess maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big deal, a mm-hmm. plane crash. I mean, yeah. even if everybody walks away, that's a yeah. huge deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Yeah. It yeah. affects you, you know, even. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like it's a car kinda... crash, but amped up by 100 or something, you know? Right. Yeah. Especially, yeah. I mean, at least you weren't in the air already because that's even more terrifying. Yeah. Right. And in a way, quantum navigation is draws on that plane crash too, because the very next day, I felt like a ghost. I really, I had to go to another town, a city for my husband was performing at this place and, and I felt invisible. I felt like a ghost. Apparently I didn't know this at the time, but it's very common in kind of acute trauma to feel that way. And that the idea that another version of me in some other multiverse really did die. Right. Because I felt like I had. And yeah. That is wild. Yes. Ooh, that's All right, we're well, good. Well, we got that. That's a great, great Welcome way to get Welcome to my world. Going. I got a million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your poems about grief, your car, the plane crash. Yeah. We're just, we're, we're all um, giggles and laughs here. <laughs> well, actually, okay, so let's transition to a little bit of a, a lighter note, I think. Because I'm curious about, there's, there's someone in your past, Fluffy, a skunk. <laughs> And so this this was your first character in your first writing written in crayon. So tell us a little bit about that because your your love of writing goes back that far. It goes all the way back to Fluffy. So tell yeah. us how that kind of got started and how you wanted to how you knew you were meant to be a writer. <laughs> well, I was kind of a feral child, and um, <laughs> <laughs> there we had a bunch, a big stereo and a bunch of albums lying around, and I I ripped an album. A, you know, the old vinyl albums are huge, yeah. the album covers. So I had to have uh-huh. enough room to write my course, which I thought was going to be a novel. Um, Definitely. It, it was about Fluffy. 
a, a skunk who had no friends because mm. he smelled bad. Of course. And, Poor Fluffy. Yes. And the story quickly moved on to him finding a cat who had no sense of smell to be his friend. Aww. Wow. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Wait a minute. Do you like think five the... or something? That's, yeah, that's good. Something like that. Yeah. That's good. Isn't that the plot of some, some um, what is it? Bugs Bunny who has, oh, there's Pepe, Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Doesn't Le Pew. he, does he <laughs> fall in love gracious. with a, with a cat? Is that a cat or is that another skunk? It is a cat. <gasps> they stole your idea. <laughs> well, I may have stolen there. <laughs> <laughs> That's I don't funny. know when that came out, so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. I like well, that. Well, also in the background materials that you sent us, so you have a very varied background. Yes. From creative arts type of work to being in the law. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your journey there. And ultimately, it's a show about writing. So how all that kind of influences maybe what you write about or how you write, if at all. Okay. Um, well, I found law is uh, fascinating. Like it, it can take all your energy, though. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I work in the criminal justice system, and there's a lot going on there all the time. And you know, there is some creativity in writing legal briefs or judgments. Um, but my first love was creative writing. I have a degree in uh, English literature and a degree in law. And at one point in my life, I I said, that's it. I'm quitting the law. I am just going to live a creative life. And I wrote, uh, I started Itty Bitty Films, which was a little video, you know. Uh, I wanted to make movies. I moved out to the West Coast. That is made... neat. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> a bold move. I know. Well, I wrote a short screenplay for a video called Boundaries, which was about two border guards on the American and the Canadian side of the border in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there's the kind of rural oriented Canadian guy and the kind of maverick American guy. And <laughs> the American guy was kind of flipping a coin and it flips a quarter over onto the other side of the border and the Canadian seizes it because it's, <laughs> you know, contraband and, and, uh, <laughs> and conflict ensues. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Now this uh, was produced. It was, yeah. It's a it's a very bad little movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it was produced. Very low That's production big. values, but it was played at the Female Eye Film Festival in Toronto. Made not a dime from it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. But anyway, that was I, I enjoyed that. And uh, on the West Coast, there's more. Uh, uh, I was an extra in Final Destination 2. I saw yes. that. So what, is, what does that mean? Because you're fascinating. An extra. So what did you do? I was a background driver. So I don't know if you're aware of the Final Destination franchise, but I meant to look a lot up. of people die in them in, in hideous ways. And, okay, so um, this fits with you, for you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, they were, they were filming near where I lived, and so I was an extra. I just, I drove back and forth in my car, and they, <laughs> it was a sure. lot of fun. They paid me, and they fed me. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. You're a poet. You've sold <laughs> stories. You wrote and produced screenplays. Oh, fantastic. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the one of the items you mentioned is that you sold something to um, like a CBC radio. So was that like an audio drama? Tell us about that. Uh, well, uh, there's not much to tell. It was a short story 
this is earlier when, when I had quit the law and I was trying to mm -hmm. live a creative life. And so I was putting stuff out there and it was a short story and I sold it to them that with the idea that it would be recorded on, for one of their shows, uh, but they never did record it. So, mm. anyway. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, well, that I happens know. all the time. Yeah. yeah. It really does. They it's paid very me anyway, so. Right, right. Okay. But <laughs> hey, would it have nice. been an audio drama or was it a show about like reading short stories or? It, it was a short story, so it would have been on one of their literary programs. They would have oh, had okay. somebody read it. Yeah. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So you have also a musical background as well. And I know we're talking about writing, but I, f I really feel like all of these art forms bleed into one another. I agree. And they, they influence one another. And so can you tell us a little bit about your background as a musician and singer and how you had, I mean, I, I have to know about this, a speakeasy in your basement? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so in my writers group in northern saskatchewan um we we start out we have meetings and we had them on friday nights because none of us had a social life at all so <laughs> we'd have them on friday nights and um one member gareth uh, was a musician and i, I like you know i always like campfire singing singing around the campfire yeah. with guitar and you know michael roll your boat ashore stuff yeah. like that not that so, i've ever done it but it does sound magical oh it's it's lovely anyway we started um I had a guitar and we had a meeting at my house. And so we'd start just, they just sort of, our meetings would end with a little kind of hook nanny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These are the they, writer's meetings. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. As you do, you know, they yeah. just. They weren't all musicians, but we had like a percussion around that they could yeah. hit and mm -hmm. stuff. Um, and then it just kind of evolved into a, we became a band, the Dead Beats. We called ourselves because we were too lazy to stand up when we were playing. <laughs> I know. That's hilarious. <laughs> it is. And, Love that. Yeah. And and then I just got it in my head that I wanted to make music in my basement. <laughs> so we all kind of got together and we got the sound system and and put in a floor that people could dance on and a little wow. stage. Yeah. And and we had events there. <laughs> That all, is so all for great. free. Nobody ever. Oh, well, we did have a house concert there one time. That was another band, though. But people oh, wow. paid for that. I am yeah. hearing over and over again. You make things happen. Like you, <laughs> you want something. You're like, eh, this doesn't exist. I'm just gonna make it. <laughs> Every once in a yeah. while, I get a rush of blood to the head and do something like that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm with Melissa because you know we we give writers the opportunity or to read their own works, um, but if the quality has to be good, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I sent that information to you, you were like, here, is, here's this one. Is this any good? I was like, wow, <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, well, and it was, and it was quite that. good. Yeah. Well, we got we got microphones here. <laughs> yeah, you've got quite the setup because it, it sounds good. I'm sure the readers would have noticed that, or the listeners would have noticed that. Oh, thanks. Oh, very nice. Anyway, but we wrote our own, we all, it was a real had a time there was a big burst of creativity everyone was writing their own songs and bringing them to the group and we'd yeah. play yeah so it's Very fun cool. right songwriting is fun yes so the writers group that you have that you're still a part of so how long have you been in this writers group and what how often do you meet what does it look like okay well it started out um it started in the early 90s in Laurent. wow okay and it was a bunch of you know yeah. Hey, let's start a writers group. We'll all yeah. be famous writers. Who cares? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a small place, uh, Larange, where this started, and 
um, it's got a kind of a transient professional population. People come and go. So the writers group has changed over the years. But we've all, you know, or most of us anyway, kind of have kept in touch. Um, when the pandemic hit, they started have their, having their meetings via Zoom. And then the rest of us who didn't live there anymore went, well, well actually, our ex-president lives in Regina. She says, well, we could have our own meetings, the, you know, the mm -hmm. diaspora, the expatriates, right? So, <laughs> yeah. that's, so we started doing that every, so every couple of weeks we have a Zoom meeting. Yeah, it's, it's been a, another little burst of creativity happening. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You find that, do you share pieces? How do you share your pieces? Uh, we do, um, well, some of us are more organized than others. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you send them out to the group ahead of the meeting so people can read them and give feedback. Yeah. But a lot of times it's just we do a share screen and read them to each other as we have yeah. our meeting. Yeah, but Very there's been cool. some really good stuff coming out of it, out of the yeah. group. And, and I'm sure you feel like that's grown you as a writer. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I always find that interesting because some people are, I, I know both parties, some people who like to write alone, they don't want to write with a group, but then other people just really thrive in a group setting. Yeah. And they really, you, you know, iron sharpening iron. You need to have a bit of a thick skin. Like definitely. Um, to, to benefit from it. Because, Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, groups where everybody's just complimenting each other all the time aren't necessarily helpful. Right. Gr right. Groups where you're tearing each other down are definitely not helpful. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, we have just an excellent group of people who are supportive and give constructive criticism and, you know, make you think about the craft of yeah. your works. And, yeah. That's so wonderful. Yeah. Right. Well, for me, because we're Melissa and I met through a writers group. Yes. And, oh, did you? Um, yeah. Yeah. And we're in, involved in different writers groups, but um, for me, the one of the key takeaways often is are, are multiple people, you know, kind of bumping on the same things, you know, yes. because you do have different perspectives and writers that read different things, and so they don't always have a good grounding in the story that you're trying to tell. But if everyone's bumping on something, then you know there's like an obvious, a low-hanging fruit for you to take a look at. And you do need to consider everybody's thoughts anyway, but right. at least, but you have to kind of measure it against what you're trying to achieve. Right. right. And I'm always amazed at how your work will be perceived by somebody else. In yes. a way, you had no yes. idea. You right. Know? Yes. Okay. It's just amazing. And that's one good thing about having a close circle where you can do that. You kind of you get some of that out of the way. Because if it goes out into the public, then the public's going to be saying that. So better to hear it, you know, from yeah. your own so you <laughs> yeah. can tr attempt to fix or you, or you know, okay, that's coming. That's coming. And you're okay right. with it. Because yeah. when strangers start tearing you apart, it's like, oh. I know. <laughs> they don't understand me, though. No, yeah. All right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think with all my writing, what I'm going to request is just give me a 30-minute phone call, and I'll explain everything to you. you know? <laughs> I'll explain all my intents, and then you won't have any problems with my writing. Exactly. All right, that, that's realistic, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, we have talked about writing groups on the show before with some other authors, but I'm curious, do you feel like it shaped what you wrote? Because you guys did exercises too. So yeah. did it shape what you wrote or how you wrote or even why you wrote? Oh, well, at the beginning, definitely. Like um, when I first joined that group, I had just moved to LaRange, which is in northern Saskatchewan. It's a remote, not remote, but it's, it, you know, it's far from 
at anything. I didn't know anybody. And this group that I joined were just like, just like a joy to discover. You know, they were such interesting yeah. people mm -hmm. and so keen and they wanted to be writers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think being around and no matter what you do, no matter what your field is, if you're pursuing a goal, if you're surrounded by people that are like-minded, that are, are also pursuing that goal, it really boosts you because you don't feel like you're alone. You have support because sometimes as a writer, your family and friends who aren't writers don't quite understand the, the toll and the process and the, the time, you know, it takes. I, I have this goal, you know, I want to be traditionally published and I've been working for for that for a long time. And yeah. some people are just like, you know, why? I would have given up by now. It's like, well, mm -hmm. if you want something, you really have to go after it. And like you said, thick skin, one benefit of having a writer's group, it's somebody who's doing something that you are also doing and they understand. So it's that yeah. it's it's that feel of oh, we're doing this together instead of feeling like, well, maybe I should give up because nobody is understanding it. Maybe I'm just wrong. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a hard process to be published and all that. Oh, yeah. definitely. And the odds are against you. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, so let's talk about balancing your work life and your writing life. How do you find time to write? And are you focusing on poetry primarily now? Yeah, I, I always wanted to write a novel and I, I found I didn't have the attention span for it. So I focused <laughs> on short stories and now I don't have the attention span for short stories. So <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> But um, uh, I, I had the um, good fortune to be on a sabbatical during part of the pandemic, which is when I started writing poetry. Mm -hmm. And sadly, I am not on that sabbatical anymore. And I am back at work. And I am, I am struggling, I got to say, to keep it balanced. I don't yeah. know, you know. Are you, uh, you're currently working as a judge? Yeah. Okay. That's big stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when That's do you... very heavy duty on the mental side of things I, also. Yeah, I would imagine it, so. It does require some brain power, yes. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So when do you write? Do you wake up early? Do you stay up late? Um, it depends. I have to admit our exercises, you know, we have homework every time after a writer's meeting. That's We're right. We're supposed to bring something, you know, using these words or something else to the next meeting. Uh, so I have been ignoring that, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but if I get an idea, I'll write it down and it doesn't take long to just type it into the computer and, and mm. it's a start. And then I find out I'll somehow have time to go look at it and, you know, yeah. and edit it and enhance it. And so I, I kind of fool myself into writing poetry when I do. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You know, that concept of little bits at a time has been, a, it's what I wrote my newsletter on that went out today. I had um, my daughter, she said, my four-year-old had a penny and she, she couldn't find it. And my, my six-year-old said, it's just a penny. It's, it's not that much money. And I said, you know what? That penny leads you to everything else. You know, that, um, what is that? Where if you Oh, I can't think of it. But there's something You've with money when you start. Interest. Yeah, compounded interest. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And that penny can turn into 
you know, millions of dollars. And so that it made me think of what you were saying or what you're saying made me think of that little bits get you where you want to be. So I yeah. love that where you do a little bit and then you can you feed on that little bit. You're probably yeah. subconsciously thinking about it and you're able to come back to it. So I just think that is is great advice. Yeah. Not even that you meant I think it's I, I know you didn't mean it quite as advice, but I think it's a great habit for other people mm. to really recognize. I do the same thing with my judgments. Like, oh, this is too long. I can't do it. And I'll just I'll just write, you know, the charges. I'll just do the yeah. first paragraph, right? And then I'll yeah. fool myself into working. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Layer it on. Well, we are actually a bit over on time already. Um, two questions before we get to the last question. So do you remember the first book that made you cry? We didn't ask this last time, but we're asking this time. Or if you don't, do you have a book in mind that really impacted you in your life? Or if you and want we, to just forget that question and tell us about a writing quirk, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, we're not meaning to put you on the spot. So, yeah. First book that made me cry. I have cried at books for sure, but I got to say The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, my <laughs> husband would like to hear that. Wow. But that, that, that's not one that made you cry, though. That's more Cry with laughter. One. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. the best kind of crying. Yeah. It was so fun. Like, when I first read it, the writing, it's just every sentence has a little joke in it somewhere. Yeah. So yeah. funny. And the plot is fantastic. And I just <laughs> loved it. I still love it. <laughs> My kids started to read it, and they were just like, they were like, they put it down. They're like, I don't get it. It's not funny. <laughs> like, to do oh. it in a British yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah, they'll have to try it again oh. later. That's funny. Okay, great. Well, Melissa, do you want to ask the last question? There? Yes. Okay. Well, we always love to end with any writing advice that you might have, especially for our poets, aspiring poets, or just listeners who are interested. Any writing advice that you would give that you picked up along the way? Hmm. I think the best writing advice is to live, to live a full life. That's great. Then write about it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wow. That's terrific. I think that's great. Though so it makes me think of an article that I read recently about doing research for your novel and going out the, the writer of this um, article was saying that your writing becomes so much more, um, intense it becomes more immersive when you write about something that you have experienced versus mm -hmm. what you haven't experienced so if you can go yeah. field test take field trips all those things and that speaks to what you just said is to live and to you know take it in and that comes out in your writing to be more genuine yeah yeah that's very good well, writers are kind of the ultimate voyeurs, I think, really. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Take it in and spit it back out, you know, in some <laughs> other way. <laughs> All right. Well, Triv, well, thank you so much, Smee, for coming on the show and sharing your work with us and letting us share it with the world. I'm sure folks really enjoyed these poems, and we enjoyed the opportunity to speak with you. So definitely. thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, and I hope I passed the audition. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Sounds good. Well, you know, we are looking for some help. So uh. <laughs> if this judging thing don't work out, I'll be right. <laughs> right. I, I don't think the pay is going to be where you're at, though. <laughs> Probably not. Because <laughs> volunteer, uh, you know, are, are judges volunteers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! I couldn't imagine volunteering for that kind of job. I, oh. You go home crying right. every day. You probably go home, you might go, go home crying every day, even being paid. So, well, that's a question we should ask. All right, before we close out, so do you <laughs> do I cry? Every day? One more hour. I know, I'm sorry. Okay, I, I faked everybody out. One last question. Maybe I could edit this and put it in the middle. Anyway, um, so do you get any inspiration for poetry uh, or even stories from your experience as a judge? It's a great question. Hmm. I, yeah. Well, it, and in the justice system in general, as a lawyer too, I wrote mm -hmm. I wrote several short stories about things I had encountered. Criminals. Yeah, definitely yeah. in my work, uh, because I mean we deal with um, humans, yeah. you know, right. humans who've done things or not done things, or humans at their worst, sometimes at their best too. You know, it's a uh, yeah. The courtroom is just full of stories. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how heavy is that on you? You're you're writing these sentences, right? I mean, yeah. you're the one coming up with the the punishment or the the sentence basically of what happens with the people that you see. That weight must be just, I mean, enormous. It's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you handle that if I may ask? I write poetry. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. Well, we diverted and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, so I had to ask you. that last one too. <laughs> Spun off onto another one. Great. All right, well thanks again for coming on the show. We'll wrap it up there. It was lovely to meet you guys. You too. You as well. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Those reviews really make a difference. We'd like to thank the folks at Literature and Latte, the makers of Scrivener, for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash Onyx Publications. As a nano publishing house, we are always looking for new works to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration, please visit the submissions page on our website. In the meantime, keep reading and writing.